guys, and welcome back to weekly book reviews on the Unknown Friends podcast. We are returning to our regular routine after a six-week summer hiatus of sorts, in which we took a break from book reviews and instead used that time to read the book Man Alive by G.K. Chesterton, which I hope you all enjoyed. It's a wild, upside-down kind of story, full of hilarity and wisdom, and I hope you found it to be entertaining, but more importantly, thought-provoking. You certainly cannot take certain aspects of the story literally. There is a lot of symbolism, and some ideas are depicted pretty radically, so it's the kind of book you just have to take a step back from after reading and assess it as a whole, open-mindedly, Um, not taking it too literally. Anyway, but we are moving on now from Man Alive back to our normal book reviews, posted first thing every Wednesday morning on the Unknown Friends podcast. In case you're new, I am your host, Rochelle Ferguson from Kitty Wayne Productions. I am a Christian writer and reader, and what you're currently listening to is the 27th episode of season two of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today's book review is of a fairly recently published novel titled Moon Over Manifest. Moon Over Manifest was written by Claire Vanderpool and published in 2010, and it won the Newbery Award in 2011. Uh, So this is a so-called children's novel. I say so-called because, as you know, if you've listened to Unknown Friends for hardly any time at all, I believe that good children's novels are really for readers of any age, and Moon Over Manifest is no exception. Now, the author, Claire Vanderpool, has written one other novel, which I have previously reviewed on this podcast. The book's title is Navigating Early, And I discussed this one way back in, I think, April or May of last year. It was the third episode of season one, so almost the very beginning of Unknown Friends. So these are Vanderpool's two published novels, and I really love them both. I actually read Moon Over Manifest first, and I liked it, and then I read Navigating Early, And I thought I liked Navigating Early even better than Moon Over Manifest, and so I then reviewed it on the podcast. And now, having reread Moon Over Manifest this summer, the pendulum has swung, and I think I like it best. So, um, the point is, they're both excellent. They're fun and intriguing and wholesome, and, well, I guess to, to spoil the end of my review, I do recommend them both. But today we are discussing the Newbery winner and what was Claire Vanderpool's debut novel, Moon Over Manifest. So first, just a few quick words about Claire Vanderpool. I already introduced her briefly in my episode about navigating early, so I'll keep it quite short here. But the basics are that she is an American writer, Um, also a wife and mom, born and bred in Kansas, and as I understand it, currently living with her family a few blocks from the house where she grew up. 
So both of her books kind of have Kansas at their heart. Navigating Early is about a boy who is transplanted out of Kansas into a very different kind of place, the state of Maine. And then on the flip side, Moon Over Manifest is about a girl named Abilene Tucker, who has grown up as a wanderer with her father, but gets suddenly planted in Kansas and finds a home there. So Moon Over Manifest. First, what is this novel's storyline? Who's it about and what's it about? Like Navigating Early, Moon Over Manifest is historical fiction. Whereas Navigating Early is set at the end of World War II, Moon Over Manifest is set in the Great Depression, the summer of 1936, to be exact. Our heroine is a 12-year-old girl named Abilene, who has spent her life up until now riding the rails with her father, Gideon Tucker. So they live a vagrant life. Gideon will find work somewhere for a while to keep them going, and then they move on and catch a ride on a train and hop off somewhere else, looking for a job to do and a meal to eat. So that's how Abilene has lived until the summer of 1936. Her dad gets a job working for the railroad for a while, and he decides to send her for the summer to stay with an old friend of his, who lives in the town of Manifest, Kansas. The friend's name is Shady Howard, and he is a substitute pastor in Manifest and has been for 14 years. He also owns the town saloon, which is a strange combo. In fact, the saloon and the church are kind of the same building, so that's different. Shady's relationship with liquor is actually one of the many little questions or mysteries that runs through the story, so I won't give away the answer, but suffice it to say, it might not be what you expect. Anyway, Shady is kind of an old codger, but very welcoming. He's a bit quiet, a bit backward even, but he's generous and gentle and honest, and all those things make him a good host and kind of a father figure for Abilene for the summer. But what really sets the story in motion is when Abilene makes a discovery in the little room in which she's staying. She finds a hidden box of mementos and letters, and they seem to date from roughly 20 years earlier, from 1918. So this find, of course, piques Abilene's curiosity, and she's a, a plucky and independent little girl, so she sets out to figure out what the story is behind these items she's discovered. It takes some work for her to get a hold of the first thread of the story, but she eventually finds it with an old woman who lives not too far away from Shady Howard's place. And this woman is another interesting character. She is known as Miss Sadie the Diviner. She has a gypsy kind of vibe. And at first you expect her to tell Abilene a story from the future, but what she actually does is tell a story from the past. From the town of Manifest's past. 
And over the course of the book, Miss Sadie's stories gradually explain all the mementos and letters that Abilene found in the hidden box. The central character in Miss Sadie's stories is a boy named Jinx, who lived in Manifest in 1918, and the items Abilene found all belonged to him at one time. Now, Jinx was a bit like Abilene in some ways. He was adventurous and self-sufficient, and he too came to Manifest at 12 years old as a wanderer. And in Manifest, he found a welcome. Specifically, the first person Jinx met was a boy a bit older than him named Ned, a friendly, smart, all-American young guy who becomes Jinx's best friend in Manifest. And so the long and the short of it is, Miss Sadie slowly shares her stories about Jinx and Ned until Abilene eventually feels like she knows these two boys well and is almost friends with them even though they lived in Manifest almost 20 years before she ever came there. The boys' stories are endearing and entertaining, and contain some triumphs, but also some tragedies. And in the end, essentially, Abilene has to decide how fully she wants to invest in Miss Sadie's stories about Jinx and Ned, because she learns that stories have the power to make you love someone, And when you love someone, you suffer with them. And that's a hard price to pay. So Abilene must decide whether it's ultimately worth the pain to care about people, people from the past and from the present, to care so deeply that you carry the weight of their experiences. Now, that is a very inadequate summary of the storyline of Moon Over Manifest, because really there's a lot of different interconnected storylines in this one book. So obviously there's Abilene's story, and there's Jinx and Ned's stories, but that's not even all. The town of Manifest, the community as a whole, has its own story that weaves in and out of the other narratives, and Shady Howard has a story, and Miss Sadie, the diviner, has a story, and Abilene's father has a story. This, I think this seems to be sort of a trademark of Claire Vanderpool's style. I mean, I guess she's only written two novels, so maybe it's peremptory to talk about her trademarks, but it's certainly true in both of her two published books. She crafts many complex, interwoven narratives into a single novel. You'll remember this from Navigating Early if you've read the book or listened to my review last year. And in Moon Over Manifest, this fact is true both, I don't know, figuratively and literally, I guess you could say. I mean, not only does pretty much each character have a unique story that intertwines with each other character's story, but also... Vanderpool actually structures the novel itself to be told by multiple different narrators. So here's what this looks like. Abilene tells her own story, she's the main narrator, and Miss Sadie tells the stories of Jinx and Ned, so she's the other main narrator. 
Most of the content of the book is told in the voice of one of these two characters, but two other voices occasionally narrate as well. One is Ned, Jinx's best friend. The letters that Abilene found in the hidden box were letters written from Ned to Jinx after Ned joined the military during World War I. So dotted throughout the novel are these letters, which tell a different side of Jinx and Ned's stories that Miss Sadie can't necessarily tell. And then lastly, there is one really fun voice that pops up every now and then as well. So one of the residents of the town of Manifest is Hattie Mae Harper, who is a reporter about town, as she calls herself, and she writes a column in the weekly newspaper reporting on all the local news. Well, as a young woman, she started this column way back in 1918, at the time when Ned and Jinx were in Manifest, and she's still writing it every week in 1936 when Abilene arrives. So we occasionally get to read her newspaper column, sometimes from 1918, sometimes from 1936, and it's just one more window into the network of stories we're being told in this novel. She, again, gives a perspective that no one else can quite give. And she's also just really fun. Her columns are are delightful to read. Very funny stuff. So, uh, long story short, those are our four narrators in the complex tale of Moon Over Manifest. So you can tell already, this book is intricate. It's nuanced and finely wrought. And you do have to pay attention carefully as you read in order not to get lost. And I don't mean that as a a criticism of the book, but in praise of it. The story is not simple in a good way. Just like Abilene learns that you have to invest in the stories of other people's lives, we as readers have to invest in the story of Moon Over Manifest if we want to reap its rewards. And that kind of brings me to a brief discussion of the novel's main themes. We've already touched on some of the ideas Vanderpool is exploring, but let's just take a few minutes now to mine those concepts a bit more thoroughly. So this idea of investing in someone else's story, I think another way to put that is to describe it as caring about another person and their experiences. Or not just caring, but carrying them and their experiences, figuratively. You can hear someone else's story and just move on, or you can carry it. You can bear it. You can take it on yourself, in some sense. Um, In Moon Over Manifest, Miss Sadie poses this question to Abilene, and this is a quote. Who would dream that one can love without being crushed under the weight of it? Now that, that sounds pretty dark, pretty, pretty serious. And honestly, I think it's more than 12-year-old Abilene can fully understand yet. Though she does grasp the basic idea that it can hurt to love people. For a number of reasons. Because you might lose them, because you will suffer with them when they suffer, and because they themselves might hurt you in some way, whether intentionally or not. 
So as much as she can comprehend it, Abilene eventually embraces this idea, this way of life that declares that love is worth the risk. It's worth the burden, the possibility of being crushed or nearly crushed under the weight of it. C.S. Lewis says that to love at all is to be vulnerable, right? When you care for people, you expose yourself to the possibility of disappointment, injury, rejection, loss. But what, what is the alternative? The alternative is sealing yourself off from everyone around you, and you just wither up. So those are your options. That being the case, I think bearing the weight of love should be the winner every time. And that's what Moon Over Manifest, I think, is ultimately getting at. Even with all of love's risks, it's far better to care and to carry one another than to just try to isolate yourself. So this, I think, is the whole point of Vanderpool's narrative and the style and structure she chooses for the novel. She's interested in this interconnectedness of things. She wants to point out that we can't isolate ourselves. Our lives are too intertwined and and interdependent. We need each other. And she depicts that well in Moon Over Manifest. The people of the town of Manifest need one another. She shows that community flourishes when the individuals involved support one another, when they listen to each other and serve each other, contributing whatever it is that they can each bring to the table. And in the same way, the past and the present are somewhat interconnected too. If we care about our friends, we need to understand their pasts as best we can. And more generally speaking, all of us can and should learn from the past, both its successes and its failures. Uh, We inherit things from the past that we need to recognize and either preserve or occasionally discard. And sometimes we've lost things from the past that need to be restored. So Claire Vanderpool definitely communicates this respect for history and for the people who came before us, and so I really appreciate that aspect of this novel. So to wrap this up, as you can tell, Moon Over Manifest actually deals with some pretty serious, pretty weighty themes, given its status as a so-called children's book. And so I definitely recommend it to adults and teens, as well as kids. Uh, It does, don't get me wrong, it does have a good ending. Admittedly, there is some tragedy along the way, but there is a happy ending, which I appreciate. But thematically, some of the book's layers and intricacies, I think, will be lost on kids And so it could be a really great book to read together as a family and discuss. Now, is it a book I would recommend for kids to read on their own? Yes, I guess. But honestly, I think it's always a good idea to discuss with your kids whatever they're reading, even even if you haven't read the book. Get them to talk about it and tell you about it so that you can help them process it. As far as any specific 
warnings about Moon Over Manifest. I will just mention that there's a little bit of mild profanity and a tiny bit of violence. I mean, appropriate, I think, for the middle school age range. And what might raise more discussion, there is a fair amount of, shall we say, mischief. The character Jinx, in particular, is quite a trickster, a prankster, and even Abilene leans that way just a bit as well. So there are quite a few little, um, you might say, innocent deceptions, although really that's a contradiction in terms, I think. But just a few situations that I personally would want to talk through with my kids and get them to analyze and think about whether the character really did the best thing possible in the situation. So for what that's worth, no no big warnings about content. Certainly on the whole, I would call Moon Over Manifest a wholesome book, which is rare, a book with classic values and morals. But of course, I think it's always a good idea to discuss with your kids what they're reading, even the most wholesome of books, just to engage with their thought processes and help model for them how to wisely evaluate stories and characters and themes. So that is it. Definitely Moon Over Manifest is a book I recommend. Um, just note the fact that I reread it this summer. That says that I truly thought this book was worth something, or I would not have wasted my time reading it a second time. So if you enjoy historical fiction, or just novels about storytelling and community and home, then definitely check out Moon Over Manifest by Claire Vanderpool. Thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you spending some time with me here. If you enjoyed today's book review, please take just a moment and leave a review of the Unknown Friends podcast. You have no idea how helpful that is. I am just so grateful for each and every review. Make sure you're subscribed and come back next week for episode 28 of season two, in which I will be discussing another fairly recent publication, The Door on Half Bald Hill by Helena Sorensen. This is a fantasy novel for teens and adults, published in 2020. It has been compared in some respects to Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis, so if that piques your interest at all, definitely plan to join me next Wednesday for that book review. As always, I'm your host, Rochelle Ferguson of Kitty Wayne Productions, and you can learn more about me and my writing on my website, kittywayneproductions.com. I'll see you next week. Bye.